you are listening to By the Book. Because if you don't look at the world through the Bible, you will never see it right. This is Alan Griffith. Welcome to episode 112 of By the Book. We're glad you're with us today. We're approaching the new year. Uh, I love the idea of a new year. I love the idea of new beginnings. Uh, That's exciting to me. I want to talk about it uh, in our episode today because uh, uh, God built the opportunity for new beginnings into the universe. Uh, The whole concept of time, uh, God built that into the universe when he created it. Uh, Let me start by going to Genesis chapter 1 and verse 14. I'm not going to spend a lot of time there. You can turn if you so desire. But listen to what Moses said in verse 14, Genesis 1. And God said, Let there be lights in the firmament of the heaven to divide the day from the night, and let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and years. That's the whole idea of God establishing time. What is time? Time is the the segmenting of our existence, uh, the segmenting of the the idea of of duration. What do I mean by that? Well, first let me say that God is not a person of time. God doesn't need time. Uh, The angels don't need time. But when God created the universe, he built into it the system of time, the system of segments in our life that help us to measure our existence and to measure the events and experiences of life. Now, what do I mean by that? Well, God created the sun and God created the earth. And as you know, the earth revolves around the sun and it circles the sun every year. 365 and one quarter days. The earth goes around the sun. Now, you and I use that experience, the earth going around the sun, 365 and one quarter days. You and I use that, and God used that to define what he calls, what we call, a year. Now, if that did not happen, you and I would have no concept of the segments of time. Uh, I was born in uh, uh, 1944. So that means since 1944, I am now 79 years old. The earth has gone around the sun 79 times since I was born. Now, suppose the earth did not go around the sun. How would I explain when I was born? How would you explain when you were born? There would be no no measuring uh, rod. There would be nothing we could 
point back to and say, oh, well, I was born back there somewhere. But no, God created this concept of the year. He did that. God uh, created the month. Now, you and I don't use the lunar month, but God put our moon, one moon here in the earth, and it goes around the earth every 29 and a half days or so, and that gives us the the lunar month. Uh, God created the day. You and I just don't keep on existing. We live day after day after day, and God did that with the rotation of the earth on its axis. And so you and I experience that, and, and we live with that. So again, God didn't need any of that stuff. God created the universe, and God created these uh, uh, time experiences, these segments for us to use to measure our life and to measure experiences. And I love to mention uh, that uh, the week was not built in, as it were, to creation. We don't measure the week by the sun or um, by the uh, the rotation of the earth or whatever. Uh, the week has seven days. Most people have no idea why. The world, for the most part, goes by a seven-day week, and uh, they don't know why, really. But the reason is that God created in six days and rested on the seventh day. And it is in the creative work of God, not what he created, but in the creative work of God that the week was established. Now, I don't think the world grasps that. I don't think the world gives any real attention to the fact that there is a God in heaven who designed what we call time. If we take time away. If the earth did not go around the sun, and if the earth did not spin on its axis, etc., we would have no way of measuring our existence. But God gave that to us. And I talk about that now because we are right at the end, virtually at the end of one of those years. We are at the end of twenty. 23. What's that mean? Well, of course, 2023 heading into 2024 takes us all the way back to the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ. And since he was born, we don't simply look back and say, oh, he was born back there somewhere. We use the time segments that God has given us, and we say he was born 2,023 years ago, and we measure those years by how many times the earth goes around the sun. Simple. Some people would think, yo, that's not very significant. I think it's extremely significant because, again, without those things, we'd have no way of measuring our existence. We wouldn't be able to talk about things that happened in a, in a certain year because all that would uh, have no no uh, way of, of being measured. So God is interested in time. Uh, he created it. Uh, it is important to him, and uh, he wants it to be important to us. 
Now, what I want to do is ask you to turn to Psalm 90, Psalm of note uh, of Moses, and uh, he says something to us about time. He says something to us about how important it is. So if you have your Bible, and we're not going to go into a lot of depth, but I, I want you to get thinking about this uh, because, again, we're, we're approaching a new year. That will be a new beginning, new opportunity. Well, Psalm 90, I'm going to read it and just make comments as I go through it. Moses wrote, Lord, thou hast been our dwelling place in all generations. Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever thou hast formed the earth and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting, thou art God. And so Moses begins this psalm really with a reference to the eternality of God. From everlasting to everlasting, thou art God. And then he right away says in verse 2, Thou turnest man to destruction. Lord, you are from everlasting to everlasting. Man is not from everlasting to everlasting. In fact, man is going to be destroyed. Verse 3 goes on. Thou turnest man to destruction and sayest, Return ye children of men. Return, ye children of men. Uh, the Bible tells us that we were born uh, by the power of God, but when God created man, he created him of the dust of the earth. And we are, as it were, of the dust of the earth. All of the elements that are in the earth are found in the human body. And someday, should the Lord Jesus tarry, you are going to die, I'm going to die, and when you die, your soul and spirit, if you're saved, will go immediately to heaven, but your body will gradually return to dust. Now, today we do lots of things to keep the body from rotting, but in essence, that's what's going to happen. So we die, our body returns to the dust. However, the psalmist says, Moses says, let's get some perspective. So in verse 4, he says to God, for a thousand years, you and I don't know much about a thousand years, a thousand years in thy sight are but as yesterday when it is past and as a watch in the night. Now, you can think about yesterday and what you did and where you went and all those kinds of things. Well, Moses says that to God, a thousand years is the way we would view yesterday when it comes to God's evaluation of time, our evaluation of time. A thousand years to him, it's like our yesterday. 
Verse 5, thou carriest them away. The them are the years. Thou carriest them away. God, you carry the years away as with a flood. They are as asleep. In the morning, they're like grass which groweth up. Try to get this picture. In the morning, you can see the grass growing and it looks nice and, and so on. But then it says in verse 6, in the morning it flourisheth and groweth up. In the evening, it is cut down and withereth. So that's not all the same morning and evening, but you, the idea is you look at the grass in the daytime, it seems to have life, seems to be fine, and all of a sudden somebody comes along and cuts it down at the end of the day, and it's it's gone. Well, you see, that's that's what life is like. You know, we grow up uh, early in life, and we have vibrancy and excitement and health and strength, and well, all of a sudden we come to the end of life, and everything changes. Verse 7 puts it this way, for we are consumed by thine anger, and by thy wrath are we troubled. Thou hast set our iniquities before thee, our secret sins in the light of thy countenance, for all our days are passed away in thy wrath. We spend our years as a tale that is told. I often mention that uh, when I have done funerals in the past, I don't do many now, but when I was a pastor and through those pastoral years, I did a lot of funerals, unfortunately. But I would always go up to the casket, and uh, if it was a viewing time, often an open casket, and I would look at the person lying there, and I would say to myself, someday you, someday you. And that's true for me, and that's true for you. The Bible says, it is appointed unto man once to die. You're going to die. And the reason you and I are going to die is because of sin. God created Adam and Eve to live. They would have lived forever if it wasn't for sin. But they sinned. They became sinners. They could only produce sinners. And the Lord had said to them, in the day they ate of that fruit in the Garden of, of Eden, they would surely die. The devil denied that to them, but they ate and they died. The New Testament tells us the wages of sin is death. So you and I are going to die. It's the wrath of God because of sin. And uh, it's going to happen. And we need to be ready for it. We need to be prepared for it. But I suggest to you, it is also important that we be prepared to live every year we have with meaning. We are told in verse. 10. The days of our years are threescore years and ten. 
And if by reason of strength they be fourscore years, yet is their strength labor and sorrow, for it is soon cut off and we fly away. What an interesting verse. The days of our years are threescore years and ten. Now, that doesn't mean that everybody lives that long. It doesn't mean that everybody dies after 70 years. But it is a range that God has set before us to talk to us about, generally speaking, how long people live. And again, it says the days of our years are threescore years and ten. That's 70. And then it says, and if by reason of strength they be fourscore, you might go to 80. Yet is their strength labor and sorrow. It is soon cut off and we fly away. I always marvel that uh, Moses lived and wrote about uh, 1500 BC. And uh, technology and uh, medical technology has come a long way since 1500 BC. But Moses said back then that man will basically live to be 70 and may live to be 80, but if he lives to be 80, there will be difficulty. And then I look at lifespan today. And you know what the lifespan is for a man and a woman here in the United States right now? Basically 76 to 78 years. Now, I know we we talk about people who live a long time. I've had friends and, and relatives live beyond 80. I've certainly had friends and relatives die before 70. But if you take it across the board, The average lifespan, the United States, 76, 78 years. What did Moses say, 1500 BC, before all of the medical technology, before all the stuff that we have today? He said, basically, 70 to 80 years. I marvel at that. But that's the word of God. That's God saying, I'm telling you how it is. I'm telling you how it's going to be. And you can have your medicine. You can have whatever you want to have, God says. But I'm telling you, this is the way it is. You're not going to live to be 150 or 200 or 300. You're not going to. 70 or 80 years, that's basically what it's going to be. He says then in verse 12, in light of these things, Moses and God through Moses has a significant challenge for us. Here it is, verse 12. Teach us to number our days that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. What's he mean by that? Well, I suggest to you that what he means by that is that we need to make every year count. We need to make every day count. Why? Because you don't get that many of them. You don't get that many of them. 
One time I was thinking about uh, 70 years and what that meant in terms of days and 80 years and what that meant in terms of days. And the numbers I came up with are roughly 70 years, about 25,550 or 60 days. And 80 years, about 29,220 or so days. That's how many days you get. And I often give thought to that as I go through life. Another day has passed. Another day has passed. Another day has passed. But I also try to think in terms of another day is here. Another day is coming. Number our days. How much time do we waste? How many days do we waste? Indeed, how many years have we wasted? Well, we are challenged to think about our days, to think about our years. I think of Proverbs 27 and verse 1. You might be familiar with the verse. Boast not thyself of tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. Be careful about your thoughts of tomorrow. And I don't have to remind you of this one too much. You never know what's going to happen tomorrow. I think of James. James chapter 4, beginning in verse 13, James said this, Go to now, ye that say, today or tomorrow we will go into such a city and continue there a year and buy and sell and get gain. James says, now be careful. Be careful about your declarations for next year. You might have a plan just like this individual in James 4.13. Oh, well, for this coming year, we're going to go into such a city and we're going to be there for a year buying and selling and getting gain. And that's my plan. And then James says in verse 14, whereas ye know not what shall be on the morrow. Now, that doesn't mean that we can't make plans for the future. We should. There's many uh, teachings in Scripture about properly viewing the future. But the warning here is be careful. Be careful what you're thinking. Be careful what you're planning because you don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. And what he's trying to say to us is we better get a a full picture of life and our earthly experience and indeed our human experience. Because he says in verse 14, for what is your life? It's a sobering, penetrating question. What is your life? There's a lot of people who live today as if they're going to live forever, but you're not. What is your life? 
James goes on. It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. Oh, life is not long. Life is short. I said to you earlier, I'm 79. I look back and I feel like, where did it go? I can think back to when I was a kid, probably just like you can. Think back to years that are past and things that happened, but all of a sudden, here's where we are. Life, it's a, it's a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. You're not here very long on this earth. And you might live to be 80, 90, or 100, or even beyond that. But no matter how long it is, it's not very long. God is from everlasting to everlasting. You and I here on this earth, 70, 80, 90 years, whatever it might be. And so James is going to bring to us a a spiritual challenge. When he says in verse 15, for that you ought to say, oh, this is what you ought to say, if the Lord will, we shall live and do this or that. And then he went on and said, but now you rejoice in your boastings. All such rejoicing is evil. You ought to say, if the Lord will. Do you care what the Lord wills? Do we care what the Lord desires? Is that what our life is all about? Or are we making our our human plans, maybe our secular plans, as it were, we're just out to do our thing? We're going to go where we're going to go. We're going to do what we're going to do. We're going to buy. We're going to sell. We're going to profit. We're going to, and all of a sudden God says, wait a minute. You don't even know what's going to happen tomorrow. Again, that's not to say we should not plan. We should. But we better plan with God in mind. We better plan with the brevity of life in mind. We better plan with eternity in mind. So as you approach the new year, what are you thinking? You have goals, direction, hopes, dreams, thoughts? I hope so. We should. We better do it in light of God's word. We better do it in light of the brevity of life. And we better do it with God's will in mind. And we need to do it victoriously. Now, I want to read to you from Philippians chapter 3, verse 13 and verse 14. Very challenging verses, very blessed verses, if we'll get hold of it. Here's what Paul said. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended. And what he means by that is he was still learning and yearning for what God had in mind for his life, for what God wanted him to be. So he goes on, I have not yet apprehended, verse 13, but he says this, but this one thing I do, forgetting 
Well, that's a, a great word. Forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. Nothing wrong about thinking of the future. I want to reach and stretch for those things that are before. He went on, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. I press toward the mark. What's the mark? The idea of that term mark is where the eye is fixed. What are you looking at? What are you looking for? Now, let's not miss the challenge of verse 13, forgetting those things which are behind. I want to tell you something. The past can be a blessing. I hope it is. The past can also be very defeating. And I want to suggest to you, as you think about 2024, I want to suggest to you that in a proper way, you forget those things which are behind. Too many people live in the past. Too many people will tell you their story of defeat and heartache and trouble, and that's why they're so miserable, and that's why they don't even care if they live anymore, because they're living in the past and they're being destroyed by it. And there is a place to say, I've got to forget that. It doesn't mean that it never existed. It doesn't mean you don't remember that it existed, but it means this. But I'm not going to let that control me. Rather, as Paul says, I'm going to press forward. I am going to press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God. Now, let's take the other side for a moment. We don't have much time. The other side is this. You might look back and you have all these victories and all these successes, and you are living now on the basis of the success of the past. Well, you can't do that either. There are too many people who rejoice in all that has gone in the past, and so they have become apathetic. Now they have no passion. Now they have no desires. Now they have no no goals because of, well, all that happened, it was wonderful. Well, that's that's in the past. What about this year? And so I'm thinking about this coming year. I hope you are. And I rejoice in the past. I've got some things in the past I'd be happy to forget about. But either way, where I want to focus and I challenge you to focus is what is coming in 2024. What are we going to do? How are we going to live? How are we going to serve God? What are the goals? What are the plans? Realizing that I don't boast about my tomorrows because you never know what a day may bring forth. Well, I hope and trust that you are looking forward to 2024 with anticipation, anticipation of hopefully God's rich blessing in your life. I hope it'll be a great year, and I hope you and I and others will sell out to the cause of Christ, because one thing we don't know is when the Lord is coming back, and he may come back in 2024. I hope so. Lord bless you till next time.